Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? Where are we at? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Thank you for uh, joining me today on the show. Horatio Sands from, uh, you know, him from SNL and from places. He's got a, a podcast called The Horatio over there on Earwolf. And uh, well, let's let's get up to speed. Let's talk about the anxiety for a minute, because I have to apologize to many of you. Some of you who are my friends, if you listen, you know, some of you who are my friends who listen to this occasionally and but have probably muted me on Twitter. I, I'm OK. I'm all right. I'm not going to do any investigating. I'm about done. I'm about out. But I'm about out. I'm going off the Twitter grid. But this is the Christmas holiday Hanukkah uh, seasonal things happening around getting Christmas cards from uh, people that I don't know or maybe I just don't know them anymore. Perhaps it's gotten to that point where I'm like, is that that kid all grown up? Who are these people? That doesn't look like the same husband. That's not the same wife. Where'd those three kids come from? It's strange how Christmas cards change. But I think I'm getting some from people I don't know unless my memory is really fucked up. The point I'm trying to make is I do nothing. I do nothing. And I'm I'm embarrassed about it. I don't I don't send out cards. I did, you know, uh, when I was with different women uh, who would we you know get get a you know sort of a jump on it you know let's do this let's send a few out I do nothing and I feel bad about it I didn't send out any cards and I feel bad if people get cards I didn't have a holiday party I didn't light one goddamn Hanukkah candle and and I don't know if it's important I don't know I I like I was thinking about this this morning like I know that when people get things they're like oh they sent a thing but if you don't get it are you like that fucker didn't send a thing if you haven't established that you're sending things but i'm bad man i mean i don't send my nephews or nieces anything i don't send my parents anything i don't send my brother anything some part of me thinks that this podcast is enough that it covers everything that like if 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 anyone is if my family listens merry stuff happy hanukkah i didn't send a thing you know, I barely get my, uh, the, if I'm, I'm with a woman, which I am, I have to remember to get them shit. It's so, I don't know if it's selfish or I really just don't, I'd like to frame it that, you know, like holidays are bullshit, 
But no matter how you, no matter how many times you say that, then you got to sell that to the person that you're not buying presents for or not acknowledging. I mean, and I've been through a lot here at the house. I mean, I've had Christmas trees in there, people. I've had Christmas lights. I've lit candles. I've had a lot of things have gone on in there, holiday related. There's been decorating. There's been many presents. There's been no presents. But now I just, I don't even think about it. What the fuck am I thinking about? If I'm not thinking about the holidays, I didn't watch the democratic debate. I didn't go see star Wars. I, you know, I knew it was coming. I knew everything was happening. What am I fucking doing with my time? Well, you know, have a safe holiday. Try to be kind to the people in your life. Even the ones that you have no choice about, even the ones that are annoying Give give people a little card or, or or a piece of cake or something. Makes a big difference. Say thank you. If you get a present for somebody, don't linger. Like and go and then talk them out of, you know. I just had that happen yesterday. I bought a hat, some gloves, because we're gonna go on a, a chilly trip for a few days and and I and uh you know, Sarah did not give me the response that I was waiting for, so I, I bullied her basically well you know if you don't you know if you want you can take them back if you want hey if you're not going to wear them i mean if it's not your style i mean if it doesn't if it is does it fit do they fit is it something you're going to wear i mean i just i just bought those and if you're just going to put them in a drawer somewhere and i me that i i put things in drawers all the time and never look at them well that swag though but i just sort of like well are you to the point where she's like no 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 and she bought me a beautiful filson duffel bag now granted i did pay for this little uh adventure we're going on but that's not the point it's about giving but it's not only about giving it's about the person you're giving to to act excited surprised um perhaps uh use or wear what you got them as immediately as possible even if it's only once it's about uh, maybe bringing it up again and going like wow these are these are really great this is really great i remember years ago I had bought a girlfriend a sweater and it was not her style at all. It was not anything she would wear. And in my mind, I had somehow convinced myself because that's what you do in that moment. You have a moment with a thing and you're like, oh, that's a, that's an amazing thing. That's beautiful. I'm going to get that for her because if because in my mind, I'll, I'll make her into the person that wears that. I'll make him into the person that wears that. I don't think that's your intention. But this sweater was completely years ago. And I, she took it out of the box and she was like, what am I going to do with this? And I, I thought, I don't know, maybe you, you know, wear it until it gets ratty and shitty like your other clothes. And then it'll be perfect because it'll look like an old one of those sweaters. But I think in my mind, I wanted her to be the kind of person that wore that sweater. And that's where Al-Anon comes in 40 years later. <laughs> however many years it took me to understand that shit i'm not promoting anything here folks just don't buy presents for people with hopes that they'll fit your expectations of those gifts does that make sense does it let me give you a, a brief uh synopsis or a, a little bit of what I, I i know the last time i talked to you was um Monday morning or maybe Sunday night in Chicago about to shoot this amazing uh, thing I did with Joe Swanberg, who's uh, just a great guy. 
and a like a nice guy, not an affected guy, decent uh, fella, and and a an, an amazingly gifted film director. And he's a complete auteur. He does his own thing entirely, and it has its own style and feel. And I love the guy. I loved him before he he hired me. And um, it's all improvising. And I know that you've seen shows that are like that, where it's sort of like, yeah, it's all improvised. It's it's kind of intense, man, to just go and and. I was working with Jane Adams, Jane fucking Adams. I love Jane Adams. What a great actress and so funny. And we were like, you know, she's one of those people, you know, there's people in your lives. I've had a few people on the show like that. I just feel like I've known my whole fucking life. I don't know why. Well, Jane Adams is one of those people. And we improvised these scenes. She was my best friend. It was amazing. And then I did those scenes with Emily Ratajkowski and those turned out to be great because it, it was exactly what Swanberg wanted. This um, gaping age difference. <laughs> Let's see how Mark does uh, does a character engaging with um, 25-year-olds. Andrew Bachelor, who's a comedian, was another one of the younger people. But uh, I had a great time. And, and improvising like that, because then you have to improvise when it's really all improvised and all you're going with is what needs, you know, sort of the things you have to, what sort of needs to happen in the scene is that you go through emotions that are surprising to you. I mean, like I chose not to control my emotions and move through sort of the interactions with whoever I'm working with. And, and it was sort of a, sort of mind-blowing um, to realize that, yes, yes, I'm old. I'm 52 years old. It's not old, old, but, um, but there's a difference, you know? Generational differences exciting things i don't know what i'm trying to tell you i'm just trying to tell you that the act what you're seeing when you see this thing is like actual immediate emotional reacting to other actors um without really knowing where it's going to go and i know i do that a lot i do that on stage i do that here and here and there i do it right now i'm doing it right now and as you know for those of you who are still listening uh this this sometimes can just you know spiral off into nothing but not usually when there's another person here. But anyways, it was a great time and a great experience. I want to thank Joe Swanberg and all the people involved with that thing because it was really the first thing I ever done like that. Yeah, I do my own TV show, but it was great to be working with a guy who you trust, a good guy doing something exciting and new. Do that if you can, maybe over the holidays. Huh? Right now, it's my pleasure to uh, to have my guest here in the garage. I'm going to talk to the uh, the very funny and decent Horatio Sam. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. 
finally, dude. Yeah. Right? Pleasure to be here. It's nice to see you. I mean, I, I canceled, you canceled. I mean, it was like, but like not just once. I and mean, what is, we've been trying to do this for a year? At least. <laughs> Maybe three. <laughs> Has it been that long? What happened last time? It sounded pretty interesting. It sounded like some international intrigue. Oh. The last time you canceled, there was uh, some uh, issues with your green card. Oh, yeah, that's right. I had to get my green card renewed. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah. So I had to go to New York and, and be there. They they wouldn't take any kind of submission online or anything. Is that true? Yeah. Is that the first time you've had to had it have it renewed? No, I think it's every 10 years. So was it a surprise to you? Like, oh, fuck. It's never a surprise, but it is like the only thing that's kind of serious in my life. Like, shit, I got to get this done or else they're going to kick me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to go back to where? To Chile, I guess. <laughs> And I don't really know Chile, so that'd be kind of weird. So how does that how does that work? How are you not a citizen? Uh, I just not that I don't want you here. I'm just no, thank you. Yeah, uh, no, my parents just uh, they conceived me in Chicago, and I had uh, two older brothers at the time. Yeah, and they were like, well, let's just go back and have him be born Chilean, also. So he won't. They be flew the back one. to have you. To they make... flew back to Chile to have me born a Chilean citizen, and then they flew back to Chicago. Yes, uh, like two months after but I was if born. They... If they just had you here, it would have been okay. You would have been a citizen. I would have been a citizen, yeah. That doesn't seem and like- now I can't be president. Nah, by the time, yeah, you could. I guess you, well, you, you want- well, I wasn't born here, though. You can't, you can't be president if you're born here, if you're not born here. Well, I'm sorry. Was that, was that a big disappointment for you, or- well, think about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're growing up, you want to have that option open. Sure. You now, <laughs> maybe I, never, that, I never did. Did it cause you a lot of trouble? Did it, you think it made you uh, self-sabotage or have a, you know, an anger issue or anything, the not being able to be president thing? <laughs> it may have. Yeah. It may have be why I have a rebellious spirit. Wow. But maybe we got to the bottom of it this quickly. That's awesome. Which is, I, I don't know what else we have to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, let's just load this up with commercial and get out of here. <laughs> well, so you've never spent any time in Chile? I did when I was five. They tried to move back. Really? Um, yeah, so I, I spent a year at school, and uh, I think it was first grade. They tried to move back. And, but, but by then, my older brothers were really missed America, so we went back. Your parents seemed to be a little uh, you, you, uh, waffling <laughs> on the... the yeah, you can't commit I, to a decision. Really. Well, well, they're Chilean immigrants, so when they came to the United States, they, their options weren't as as uh, they didn't have as many options as they did in Chile. Right? What did they do there? Well, my dad was a uh, what did my my dad taught school in Brazil? I mean, in uh, Venezuela and in Chile, and my mother worked as a nurse yeah. at a hospital. And, and when they came here, none of that mattered. Right. So my dad worked at a hotel as a bartender uh-huh. and a waiter. Yeah. And my mother worked at a factory making lottery tickets. Making lottery tickets. Yeah, like those uh, those scratch opens that you sure, get, like sure. from uh, Portland. Yeah. You know, yeah, those. The scratch things. The scratch, yeah, she uh, made the scratch things. With the little things you rub off with a coin or your finger, depending on how desperate you are. Mm-hmm, yeah. Fuck, I don't have a coin. <laughs> You're a pick. Everything's hanging on this. <laughs> this the is last, it. The last dollar <laughs> on this scratch card. And that's really that's what they uh, did your entire childhood. Yeah, pretty much. And then uh, when I was in high school, my dad started going back to college because he had a college uh, degree from Chile that wasn't didn't transfer. So he went to college and uh, became a drug counselor for a little bit. Oh, really? Uh, before he retired, yeah. Interesting. Just out of nowhere, or did somebody? 
he just kind of always wanted to and finally just, you know, had enough time and was retiring. And so mm. he, he, he did that. And you have two older brothers? Yeah. What'd they end up doing? Well, my brother, uh, my brother Steve ended up, uh, open, he was running, uh, he bought a uh, dating service and he was running that in Vegas. An internet dating service? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and this is before the internet. No, it was before. It was videotape. Really? Yeah. So he was getting that, you know, like people would make, t- like, hey, my name's John. Mm-hmm. And- yeah. What, where's your, what's your favorite thing to do on a date? And, oh, you know, really? Stuff was, like that. Did, yeah. Was this a, a national service or something local? It was Chicago mostly, and then it, and then it was Vegas. What, what happened to it went to Vegas? Sounds like it got dodgy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite hard to define whether it was just a dating service then. Oh well, the problem may have lied in the fact that it wasn't a full full dating service. Oh, what it was a real dating, you know, real dating service. Oh, which, you know, I guess just it, fizzled out. It fizzled out, yeah. And uh-huh. then he did. Then he did some stuff with real estate, and then now I, uh, I think he's working. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to all those great videos of desperate people? We have them. Looking I think for they're, love. They're in my grand, uh, my parents' garage. I oh, think. good. He kept them. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we got them. <laughs> yeah, you should digitize those fuckers. See how those Wiki people leak. are doing. Put yeah. those on WikiLeak. Sure, man. Just put them on YouTube. Hey, remember that? <laughs> That'd be so terrible. Oh, for them. boxes of videotapes sitting in garages. <laughs> you got any of those? I don't know. Uh, I made them too. I used to ask the questions. See, you, well, we both worked for the the guy who owned it in uh, Chicago, and then uh-huh. he ended up buying the business from the guy in Chicago. Oh yeah, so you were in the position of the executive. You were the casting guy. Yeah, I was the you, casting. I was uh, <laughs> directing. I was the whole yeah the directing. Hey, could you look <laughs> more less desperate? More like. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I would say like, "Yeah, relax. Don't you know you're sweating a lot?" Oh, really? Maybe turn off the heat here. I mean, turn on turn on the air conditioning and get them kind of ready. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when that was happening? I was twenty. Uh, 21, 22. Yeah. yeah. And what, what's the other brother up to? He's uh, he he's an actor and he does uh, mostly he does serious uh, films and so shows. he's out here. Yeah, he's out here. He lives in uh, between Koreatown and Larchmont over there. He plays drug dealers in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because like, uh, he's swarthy and, and handsome and tall. And South American. Yeah. 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 So that not a typecast situation. <laughs> Has he done some big movies? He did uh, that one with Stratham where he needs to be like, you know. In a car? He's on a car and he can't stop the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What the well, he's got a, a mechanical heart. It's no, he has weird. some kind of drug has been given to him where he has to keep his heart rate above a certain... Oh, am I making it up that there is some sort of ticking time bomb that if his heart doesn't... like there's, I thought it was a mechanical heart or something. that he, and he's, It was not a realistic movie. No, it wasn't. He, kept, he had to plug like a, a car battery into his heart. <laughs> am I making that up? At some point, I think he did have to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, I saw so parts of that I'm not sure movie. he's got a mechanical heart, but he's definitely dealing with some kind of... New drug that's been invented for, or by maybe some they, bad guys. They took his heart out or something, and they put. I put a fake one in. Yeah, yeah. maybe I, I forget the. the but I remember the bad guys were Asian in that kind of, and there was. Well, maybe you're Asian... mixing up the movies then. Yeah, this one's uh, Crank. This yeah, one's that was Crank. the one. Yeah, that's the one I saw. Well, maybe you thought my brother looked Asian. No, no, he was another guy. <laughs> there was another guy that a big guy that gets into a big sort of fight, and he's got guns. And no, my brother's the, the pimp. He's not a pimp, but he was uh, he was the drug dealer. That he fell out of out of a window and into a pool and died. Oh, yeah, like a real good send off. Oh shit! I don't. 
I, it must be the movie I saw. How many movies could like where he's got to keep his heart rate up? It's like, no, that's not the one where he's got the electric heart <laughs> or the battery heart. Well, I this can't... is what we thought about Fast and the Furious, and yeah. twelve films later, <laughs> maybe that was. I'm thinking of Crank Two. You might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're right i gotta get caught up on that shit i miss everything so chicago's a fucking great city i've grown to appreciate it yeah i i liked a lot of it and mostly uh you know it um the arts kind of flourished there right for, for me they they kind of you know the idea that second city was in the same town that i was in was always uh exciting when did you become aware of that though Oh, I was little because uh, SNL, when I, I used to watch SNL with my brothers in their room. How much like, older are they? They're six and nine years older. Wow. So you were an accident. Yeah, I'm an accident, for oh, sure. Yeah. A happy accident. Catholic accident. Uh, they weren't really Catholic, but... Oh, see, I just made an assumption. Chilean, Spanish, Catholic. I think we should have been, but my father was agnostic. Oh, that's good. And no, pretty you... strong, strongly against religion. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's fucking beautiful. <laughs> it's nice to hear that. Yeah, so from, I had uh, that too from uh, from someone of Latino background. Is it still Latino? Yes. Am I being condescending? No. Okay. No. I just I'm not. I and it's t- coming up a lot. Yeah. What is Latino? Latino. What is bad? What is it, what, Latino or or, uh, or Hispanic? Oh yeah. What I guess you... Hispanic means that it's derived from Spain, and Latino is all different. Oh, uh, Spanish. Broader. It's more broad. Mexican and everybody else, South America. Yeah. But, but Hispanic broad. can fall under the Latino umbrella. Yes. Oh, so Hispanics out? Uh, not really. No, no, <laughs> no. But it. I think Latino is the better. Yeah, you, you might not just not take any chances. Yes. And if somebody gets defensive and goes, "I'm Hispanic," you're like, "No, you're a racist." Yeah, because you want to separate yourself from the rest of the Latino people. Or you can say Horatio. Horatio says Latino's cool now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the you're dated retro. Yeah, with your Hispanic. Why don't you just say? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just say you're a cholo? <laughs> Is that still in cholos? Are there still cholos? Yeah, there are. Yeah. And they still well, you know, they're still under... Uh, I think so. I think I there's do. a cholo pride. I don't want to fucking... Right now, they get bad rep, though. No, Cause yeah. Because they, well, they just brain people at Dodger Stadium. Oh, did that happen? Yeah. but uh, I grew up in uh, New Mexico. I was there at the birth of the neo-cholo renaissance. Oh, really? Sure. Back when it came back. Like I think it was like I don't th- I don't know if it was just invented in the seventies, but like there was a, a period where there's a lot of disco going on, a lot of familari shoes, platform shoes, leather jackets, feather haircuts, and then boom, all of a sudden, you know, just the work shirts with the t-shirts underneath, top button buttoned, bandanas, chinos, yeah, fucking, like an LA biker kind of thing. Yeah, and that was and that was like over. Disco was done. Cholos were here. Yeah, yeah, and they've stayed. Oh, that that stuck. Yeah. I prefer it to the feather haircuts. I'm not. I never liked it that much. Well, it's uh, you know, it's, yeah. It, 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 there's a big struggle in the neighborhood, you know, for them to retain, you know, that they they're either the indigenous people over there, and they were right. kind of taken out by Dodger Stadium, and now they're being taken out by uh, by people who gentrify everything. Yeah, you mean yeah. white people? Say it, white people. No, well, I'm part of the problem too. I guess I felt that right when he got here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm torn. I don't know if I should if I should spray paint the yoga studio or <laughs> or, go or join class. it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone did tag the studio there by the house, and uh, where do you, know, you live? Around here? I live in Echo Park. Oh, okay. So you're right over there by Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Bought a house? No, I rent the house. Oh, well, you're not really part of the problem then. You're just sort of like I'm just renting, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Talk to the owner. But the owner did want like a Latino person in the house. 
Cover so his I ass? Had, yeah, so I had to kind of like, I had to kind of Latino it up with his mom and stuff. Oh, so he's Latino. Yeah. Oh, then it's cool. That's not gentrification. Yeah, he has a weird obsession though with it. With you know, what? He's always like he with the the Latino like he's he's uh from he's from Peru. Oh really? But he's you know but he's he kind of identifies with the, the Latinos in in uh, Echo Park. Yeah, and so he's uh he's always saying like oh yeah man you gotta watch out yeah guy got shot at the gas station dude <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like those kind of instructions are just sort of like just you gotta be paranoid man all the time <laughs> you never know where it's coming from that's exactly you have when to you be paranoid take a walk getting gas <laughs> boom <laughs> yeah i saw a guy threatening it like there's like this 50 year old white dude in like a Volkswagen, yeah. and, I, and this kid on a bike was like, "I'll come back and shoot you." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. The guy was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> he kid he couldn't believe it that someone would say that. <laughs> uh, uh, but he didn't come back. Did he didn't he, come back. <laughs> we, no, no, no one stuck around though. We, we all took off. So your oh, so your your brothers were that much older. So your kid and they're watching SNL. I wonder what do you remember what season it was that you first saw? Uh, well, it was probably like '78. Mm. Probably seventy seven. So early. You how old are you? I'm forty I'll be forty seven. Oh, so you're close to my age. I'm fifty just turned fifty two. So that was like Bill Murray, maybe? Bill Murray, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bill Murray and uh the wild and crazy guys and yeah. I ate all that up and then they used to show them on uh like Wednesday evenings at seven thirty, they'd do like the best of the week. Mm. So oh, they right. they would do like a little shortened version of it. And so right. that's where mostly I would watch and then do those bits at school the next day and yeah, that which, kind of thing. Which were your, what were your first uh, <laughs> your first uh, impressions of impressions? Well, well, my my first impression was uh, Robert Stack, which is an impression of of Dan Aykroyd's of right. Robert Stack. Yeah, like, I want to know what's going on. I want to know now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are listening to unsolved mysteries. That, that's yeah, my, yeah, that's my Robert Stack. That's good. But I thank you. And then, but I would. Uh, and you were like what twelve? No, no, I, it's seventy eight. I was eight. Wow, uh, doing Robert Stack, yeah. Um, I was about thirteen when I saw the first season of SNL, and it had an effect on me. Did I, it blow I, you away or no? Yeah, I used to do. Uh, I used to do the falls at school. I never did voices, but Chevy Chase. I used to set up sort of fairly elaborate ways to fall down. Yeah, would you throw your books down the stairs and stuff? Um, I think we, you know, like we. It wasn't surprise falls. You know, I I, I tried to do it. You know, in a way that was just funny. Okay. So like we'd set it up. Okay. I, it wasn't like I, it probably would have been better if if I figured out how to do it. Me, in, me and my friends, we were throwing books on the floor and stumbling downstairs. Oh, that's stuff. good. Yeah. So and the other students were like, "What the?" And you're yeah, like, yeah. When, and if someone comes by and says, "Hey, knock it off," it's like, "Oh, I fell." Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you were a Chevy Chase <laughs> fan too? Yes. Yeah. All, all it's a fan of all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you knew then at eight that you're like, "This is my future." Uh, not really, but I I did really fall in love with uh with with making people laugh, I think I did little inter- entertainment things for my parents, and I, I remember hanging out with my brother's f- friends and their girlfriends, and I would make the girls laugh. So I knew that that was on the right track. Did they used to get you like <laughs> like stoned, like uh, like older brothers would get like a cat stoned or something? Like come here. No, my old my oldest brother's a, a real straight, true oh, blue yeah. guy, so he he wouldn't do that. He'd protect me. Oh, uh, from the other brother. Yeah, yeah, the other brother would do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my other brother made me drink like a quarter bottle of vodka one time. Uh, how old were you? Uh, at that time, I was probably like 12. And he's like, if you drink that vodka, it was New Year's Eve. If you drink that vodka, I'll give you five bucks. And I did, and he didn't. And you uh, threw up? I threw up, yeah. <laughs> <it was> like... <laughs> good times. It's always a good first drinking story. Yeah, I guess that's it. 
And so you're entertaining your parents with voices, and did you set up shows and have the family sit on the couch, that kind of shit? Yeah, that kind of shit. They would be in bed, and we would come into their doorframe as different characters mm. and make them try to make them laugh. Oh, that's make good. a beard with cotton balls and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you get some laughs? I did, I did, and I kept and it kept happening. So you know, uh, there was a there was a time where I didn't think it was believable. I didn't think that that, that could be accomplished. That kind of thing. What to get a job? To get in a show job business? in show business? Yeah. So what did you set out to do instead initially? Uh, I was I was I was thinking about joining the CIA mm. because I spoke fluent Spanish. I thought I could be used. And um, you just like it, was this sort of like a patriotic duty? You just thought maybe it'd be cool? it was, you know, because I'm not an American. I've never been an American, right? So to speak, I, I maybe I was trying to do my part. Yeah, you weren't just intrigued with the idea of being a spook, mm, um, a spy. Well, you know, I think they call them uh, spooks. <laughs> okay. You know, the guys who, um, well, see, a spy is one thing, but, like, you know, the spooks are the ones that go down to places like Chile and overthrow the government. Yes. Okay, then, yeah, yeah I was, I was, I would have been on board yeah. for something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, yeah. I was a little Reaganite. You are a little late on the Allende thing. The Allende thing, I was, uh, you know, the story <laughs> on Allende, I didn't get it straight at first. <laughs> Your parents must have lived through that shit. They actually left before that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Good for them, I think. Uh, and I don't think because of it, but it just happened that way. Well, he was like, uh, he was one of the good guys, right? He was the guy yeah, that like socialized the copper industry. And then the Nixon administration said, fuck that guy. Let's take mm -hmm. him out. Let's send a couple of CIA guys down there who speak Spanish to yeah. take out the good guy. Some Horatio types. Yeah. Have <laughs> <laughs> you got a funny dude? <laughs> <laughs> that can get into the uh, presidential palace with his charm and jokes. Some guy maybe does a cotton ball beard. I can still do that, by the way. I know Obama listens. <laughs> <laughs> he did the one time he was in here. <laughs> and that might be the extent of it. The president sat in this chair. Yeah. That's pretty great. It is. I mean, he left this, his cup. You're going to have to lift, leave this thing to the Smithsonian. Yeah. yeah or, or maybe they could just build a replica. <laughs> <laughs> I'll donate some stuff. You know, just the stuff, but not the whole desk. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, they can have this stuff, but I, I think that they, it'd be just as credible if they... Well, maybe, you know, I don't think it'd be easy to, to sort of manufacture a replica of this. A lot of shit here that's kind of one of a kind. Absolutely. Like that hammer, that half a hammer, that had to be removed. They're like that can't stay with the president. Is this a murder weapon? Yeah, then yeah, the knife had to go. Yeah, they were like that goes out. Yeah, a lot of stuff had to be. We got to clean it up a little in here. So they no did, scissors. No scissors. They didn't know what what I was capable of in a moment of desperation. I Isn't think. that fun? Yeah, it was cool. Secret Service, they were cool. I had the same thought though when I met uh, the president at SNL. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I can change the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had profound fantasies of assassinating Karl Rove. When I was uh, doing Air America Radio, we actually were at the uh, 2004 Republican Convention covering it, covering it from inside. And we wow. were just sort of like, you know, on a break or it was before or after the show and we were in this back room and Carl Rove was just walking by, no protection. I'm like, if I was, uh, if I knew more about toxins, I could have prepared <laughs> for this. Like I, I had this fantasy of like having some sort of toxin that I'd made myself immune to on my hand and I shook his hand and then moments later he had a horrendous coronary and I just swept out the back door as no explanation and I would have saved I would have probably saved the country because he was the guy running things for that four years you would have saved a lot of uh, trouble there was a lot of we're not saying it's cool to assassinate people 
Uh, no, no, no. It's not cool, but I, we're saying that, it, that that at times it's necessary. Clearly not in the case of Allende. The Chile <laughs> might have been okay with Allende. But Carl Rove, I think arguably, you know, I, a lot of people would side with me. I didn't do it. It was a fantasy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with using your imagination for that type of stuff. No. What are you going to do? Tell your brain to stop working? That's right. To right. Just coming censor with... myself like that? Yeah. Just no. creative That's ways what, that could never happen to kill people? <laughs> We have to explore every option as human yeah. beings. But you didn't go that far. You were just sort of like you realized that like if you were a dark, evil man in that moment, you know, you could just. Yes. Yeah. I, could have, I could have snuck in with any kind of metal object because I was in the show that sure. week. So you I was could in have been costume. part of the sketch. I could have gone to my dressing room, grabbed something from the, from the and put it in my costume. I was dressed as SpongeBob. Oh, SpongeBob could be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff to put in a SpongeBob. And then like that. maybe if you did it, like they, everyone would think it's part of a sketch and you could like get away in that secret elevator. You oh, yeah, I know costume. my way around there. Yeah. You know, from my years of working there. Yeah. Like John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, yeah. You know, you I know do. my way around there. <laughs> <laughs> he knew his way around Ford Theater. Yeah. I was there, though, when uh, the, uh, I saw the uh, opening show this season. Uh, that was the only time I've ever been there at the show. And Hillary Clinton appeared, and they were it was heavy security. Yeah. A lot of Secret Service, a lot of uh, guys looking around, you know, with that thing in their ear. That oh. didn't happen when the president was there. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there were people there. So I think it's safe to say it was a good call not to. Yeah, very good call on my yeah, part not yeah. to. Because I tried to take a video of Paul McCartney uh, rehearsing on your phone. Yeah, at SNL. As SNL, when you're on the cast. No, no, I came back later. And I'm like, oh, Paul McCartney's rehearsing. So I could, I got in and I yeah. watched it, and I would take a video of it. And, yeah. Uh, some guy was like, "Give me your phone," <laughs> like, and you're like, "I was on I'm the like, show." No, no, no. He's like, "I don't care. Give me your phone." And he went through my phone and like, but that wasn't Secret Service. That's just what they do now. That's just his uh, Paul McCartney's guy. Huh. The Obama's guys were great. Yeah, take all the pictures <laughs> you want. <laughs> so, all right. So you you were going to be in the CIA. Yeah. When, I when did that dream so, die? When uh, when my brother in college started doing plays. Oh, really? He started doing plays in college. The actor. Yeah. And he started getting a little notoriety for in Chicago theater. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, this can happen. You know, my brother doesn't have a job. He was really just an actor. And so that kind of inspired me to, to go he, for it. Is he funny? He's not, he's not that funny. <laughs> he's, he's funny, but he's not that funny. My other brother is the funnier brother. The dating the service uh, real estate guy who might be working? Yeah, the middle brother. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds like a funny guy. It's 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 easier to be funny when when things don't always go right. <laughs> it's the only thing you can do. You're either going to go that direction or you're going to get. Well, to, I think you had the middle the middle child thing too. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, when I came, then oh, the, everybody loved the baby. Oh, look at a little baby. Yeah. And he just got overlooked. Yeah. The older brother was almost on his own. Yes. Middle brother was like upstaged by your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Tough tough break. But he he was good though. He it was kind of like having a, a a friend in prison. Yeah. You know, he kind of knew all the <laughs> he knew all the, you know like a, the bad stuff. You know how to break into cars and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had burned his hair once, setting a car on fire for some mobster. Um, really? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> like he was in a, definitely in a gang when he was in high school. Oh yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. And then he then he straightened out and he's and okay now. He's okay now. Yeah. So did you go to college? I did. I went to. Oh, that's your kitty? What is that? That's a kid. That's a real kid. It's not a kitty. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's doing in my backyard. 
Oops. <laughs> <laughs> that was my neighbor's kid. They don't have a yard that just sort of it's sort of sad and sweet in a way. They just have that deck out there. So this kid has been, you know, grown up from zero to like four or five or whatever she is now, just playing on that deck. <laughs> They a little she pool never out there. Out down the hill? No, that hill's treacherous. The people that owned that place before the they pulled up all the uh, shrubbery from that hill and then mud slid it away. <laughs> and now, now they can't ever sell that house because it was. It, they have to you know rebuild it. They got to put yeah. it whatever. So they got to put stilts on it. They got no. The house is fine, but the the actual hill needs to be uh, uh, retaining walled. But uh, we don't. Are talk you about okay? It. Are we okay? I don't know. Hope it doesn't rain. Yeah, well, yeah. No, I'm okay. I they left my tree the, in. They better this... take some pictures of this desk before. <laughs> before yeah, I'm all in rubble. <laughs> Maybe that's what they'll put in the Smithsonian. Thank God the president wasn't here when this happened. <laughs> Tragedy yeah. out of Los Angeles. <laughs> A tough uh, Close call for the president who was there years earlier. <laughs> Just missed it. Could have changed the world. <laughs> yeah. So you're in college. Where's so college? college? Columbia College in Chicago. That's a good one. It's yeah. I was you know. It's I was uh, maybe going to work in film, television, maybe behind the scenes in movies. That's what your plan was. That was my plan. Taking classes so still, and holding things, holding cameras, and you know, and uh, working at a TV station. Yeah, coffee came out good. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and so they had. Did they have a TV station at the college? They Were did, you- and then I realized kind of quickly that I, that I wasn't really that good with, uh, with technical with stuff. Technical stuff. Mm-hmm. And then around that same time, I took an acting class. And then around that same time, I saw a show at Second City. Who right was on, on that show? Improv Olympic. Oh, at Improv Olympic. Anyone we know? Um, No. Mm. No. <laughs> uh, Joel Murray, I, I, I'd been recently doing stuff there. Uh-huh. Um, and Dave Pasquese, who's now pretty well regarded as an improv guru. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and so I saw it, and I and uh, they were great and fun. And I figured, I, yeah, I, I thought I could do that. And so then I hung around and watched and took classes. And then... Um, you just started hanging out at night, at you know, talking to other improvisers and drinking and hanging out, and eventually really? I just stopped going to college. So you didn't finish? No, no, that's I, all right. I you felt, can go back, you know. If you yeah, want. I can. I can. I don't really. I don't. It's not one of those things that I feel like I should go back and finish. You don't think about. I'm okay. It. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting because I've talked to a few people that have that experience with performing, where they see someone doing it and they're like, "Nah, fuck, I could do that." I never felt that way with comic. Really? With comedy. I'd watch comics and be like, holy shit. How the fuck do they do that? Like, it was like some sort of code I needed to crack. It, I didn't, it never was a sort of like, ah, fuck it. I can, I can get up there and do that. I guess I could see that about stand-up because that, that's more rigid and, you know, you need to kind of have a style and you need mm-hmm. to have jokes written. Whereas improv, you can kind of bullshit yeah. your way around. Yeah, throw it, the ball know. the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, tapped out. Easy. Yeah. Tag. <laughs> You take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, when did you start taking improv? Uh, in like uh, nineteen ninety, maybe eighty nine. What were you like twenty? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I was twenty, and when I got, I got into Second City. I was twenty one, which was pretty young. How for, does that for, happen? You know, I was working with uh, you the take UCB guys with Matt and Amy and uh, Matt. Yeah, I took and... classes with with Matt Walsh, and then I met uh, then Amy. And Matt came later, but I, I met Matt Walsh and Matt Besser. Yeah. And, and Adam Ian. McKay and I teamed up with those guys. What's the other one's name? Ian. Ian. Yeah. yeah. Ian wasn't around yet. Mm-hmm. But, so it was Matt, Matt, me, and uh, Adam McKay. What, what, was, uh, what were you doing with Adam and Matt and Matt? 
We were doing a show at a stand-up club, so we're doing sketches at a stand-up club. But you were already in Second City? I don't know if I'd been at Second City yet. But we, you were taking classes? Taking classes, yeah. Okay. And you just met those guys? And we met those guys, and uh, Matt and Matt said, hey, why don't you guys join us, and we'll do a show. And then uh, and then we did an Upright Citizens. Then we did what what became Upright Citizens Brigade, which is called uh, the Cerebral Strip Mine. So that was the predecessor? The predecessor of UCB. Wow. And then we took on Ian... And, and Ali Farnakian. I know that guy. What happened to that guy? He was like in New York. There was a, 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 a small period of time where he was like the improv genius. Yeah. And then I did. And then and, and I was always found him intimidating. And I saw him a couple times. So like, he's all right. And then uh, then and then nothing. And then commercials. A couple commercials. Uh, yeah, but he he's actually he's opened up a theater. Uh, oh, great! And bar that's pretty successful. Oh, good. In um. I think it's on the east side. Oh, really? Yeah. So With, for improv? Yes. Oh, that's great. So he became like a, like an improv guru. He did. And he teaches? And he teaches. And he. Oh, uh, so that's the route. He's taking the Del Close route. Yes. Oh. So there'll be generations, uh, maybe several years from now, it's like, fuck UCB. He's the real guy. That, that's possible. Mm. That's possible. I, I, I What's his whole name again? Faranakia? Ali Faranakia. Yeah, I liked him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we settled he, that. He was, was a good guy. To, he was yeah. a good guy. He intense, is a good guy. Intense guy. It was very intense. You know, his, his so, it's, so it's you, Ali, Matt, Matt, Adam. And then Ian. And then Ian came Ian in. Ian Roberts. So this was, and what was the name of it again? Cerebral Strip Mine. Now, do you, like, uh, are you considered, are you credited with uh, the birth of UCB? Well, yeah, they touchy? do. They do. I, I'm, I'm one of the founders. You are? Yes. You're on the plaque? Uh, yes, I okay. think I am. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm on the board of, of board, a board. I'm on a board. Of UCB. Of UCB uh, guys. The actual board hanging there. <laughs> yeah. With yeah. a picture. I call myself the fifth Beatle. Ah. So they're the, they're the UCB four and I'm the fifth Beatle. What happened with UCB? Because they went on to, you know, tremendous success and they built the school and now they're, they're, they're nationwide almost, right? Yeah. What happened is that a, a few of us were taken by the second city of Chicago and oh. put in the touring company. Was that a weird decision to make? Were, were, were you and Matt, and did you have a, a sit down and go like, um, they were like, we're going places, man. You can go old school and run around the country doing improv. I guess maybe we had that conversation. I don't remember it, but, mm. but it, it basically it, it, uh, it came down to, do you want to stay at Second City or do you want to come with us to New York? Yeah. And uh, I, things were just going well at Second City, so I stayed. And you got into the touring company? I got into the touring company and then I got into the ETC stage. Wait, who was in the touring company with you? Were you there with Sudeikis? Uh, that's before. This is before Sudeikis. I right. Was, I was there with uh, Brian Stack, mm-hmm. Miriam, um, Jerry Miner. Oh yeah, you know Jerry Miner. Yeah. And uh, and that was in the ETC stage. Um, What's that? That's like the the next. There's a there's a main stage that has 350 seats, and then there's yeah. a smaller theater next to it. So you're and in the so, small theater, and you're doing road gigs. Yeah, you do road gigs, and then you graduate to to one of the theaters. How long were you doing the road gigs? Uh, about three years. Holy shit! Yeah. How many how many dates do you do a year doing that shit? Um, uh, probably like fifteen, twenty. Uh huh. And you just go to like bigger cities or you know churches. Yeah, you go to Ohio or... and then do their big theater and oh. you know like uh, you, we kind of there's it's kind of interesting because we got to do a lot of the vaudeville theaters. Uh huh. Those uh, old beautiful theaters. Yeah. Uh, and people come out an evening uh, of Second City, yeah. And people came out, and it, but uh, another great thing is probably like doing going on the road for stand up is you start you start learning to make everyone laugh a little bit. Sure, 
So it was. It was. It I was never good. was good at that. The everyone thing. No. No, I was always pretty specific. Early on, very specific. Literally, like five to ten people. Well, yeah. I, you know, when I was on the show, I, I dabbled in in that, you know. But uh, <laughs> if I had my druthers, I'd rather make less people laugh. <laughs> sure, it came naturally to me. <laughs> Good, making less good, people laugh yeah good and you didn't you know yeah. you weren't cocky and saying i can do that when you first saw stand up you, you nope. worked on it you knew yeah. that there had to, there was work involved sure i i don't think i got you know sort of broadly funny until recently is that right i don't yeah. think so i think you were well regarded and i was well regarded but a lot of times that regard is for like oh that guy yeah he's very specific you know he's yeah, brilliant he's but there. yeah he's out there he's <laughs> a little angry <laughs> We very well like regarded. You can't put any real money behind sure, this guy. Sure, right, exactly. Well yeah. regard, respected by his peers, but he's not going anywhere. Gotcha. Well, yeah. you definitely changed that up. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, thank God. But I'm actually, you know, not just because of the podcast, but I, I'm a better entertainer now. I don't think I saw myself as an entertainer. Uh, I, I resented people who uh, laughed at me too easily. Okay. Yeah, it was sort of like, uh, you know, that wasn't even where it was supposed to be, the laugh. And then you realize, like, oh, they're laughing at me because I'm making them uncomfortable. And then you're like, that's okay. And that's the first step to being funny to all people. Yeah. Look at the guy taking himself it's, too seriously. It's like when the Beatles quit touring. Yeah. You know, they were the people weren't listening to the lyrics anymore. They were just screaming. Yeah, that was my problem. <laughs> they were screaming inside. They were screaming, they were screaming at yeah, themselves yeah. for spending money on this <laughs> bad choice for entertainment. Uh, I saw you a couple uh, years before the podcast. Well, ma- were you doing the podcast yet? You had just been through some kind of disaster, and you were in uh, <laughs> you were at Maxwell's in, in New Jersey, Hoboken. Oh, was that then for one of the uh, Yola Tango nights? Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, that's right. Right. I remember that night. Yeah, it was ugly. That was a. It was a. I was full of anxiety. And it was not a good show to see. Was that funny? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I did. I had that. I had that thing where, like, oh, I haven't been really watching this guy uh, intently like I should be. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was the night the National showed up. The National, yeah, they were right? great. Yeah, I knew Whoa. nothing about them, and I was like, this seems important to a lot of people. I had a good time that night. That was a know. very fun night. You met, you uh, talked to Sharpling. Mm-hmm. You and Sharpling ironed things out. Well, yeah, well, it was the first time I think that me and Sharpling after actually kind of met officially in a way. I don't think we had shit to iron out, did we? Maybe I had met him before. I just, yeah, I remember it was good to see him. I like Sharpling. Yeah. And we were all talking, right? Yes. Yeah, right. And I quit drinking, so while we were talking about quitting drinking. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and, that, and then you eat ice cream and that I was eating ice cream oh, every yeah. day like that. Right. Yeah. Were you smoking a cigar? No. Uh, we didn't smoke a cigar in New York, no, but we did here. Out in the back deck with back. Dave Becky. Yeah. You still with Becky? I am. Oh, good for yeah. you. He's a good guy. I hear from him occasionally. Yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, I said I'm going to Mark Marin's, and he's like, all right, I'll come over too. Yeah. Well, I'll, all right. <laughs> I'll ask him. <laughs> he's like, just, no, no, I'll just meet you guys there. Oh, he's, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to get this done. Get back on the same page with Marin. Didn't end well with us. Just imposed myself on his porch. And you were writing, uh, you were writing a, like uh, uh, something for the Montreal Comedy Festival. Oh, right, that was a powerful thing. And a lot of it had to do with Dave. <laughs> <laughs> he can take a couple he, hits, of course, of course. Dave, how's my hair, Becky? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that, Dave? Am I fat, Becky? <laughs> Uh, he's gonna love that. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna love that. <laughs> he said he'll be all right. Of course. Of yeah, course. yeah. No, I'm glad he's doing well. Like, you no, know, we are, we're actually friends uh, again. I don't think we were ever not friends. It was just sort of like, you know, are you enemies with anyone? Enemies? 
Yeah. Or From my side of adversaries, it, let's say. I think there's maybe one or two out there. Like, I imagine there's a, a, a few of the newer generation. Like, I probably have some new enemies for, uh, that are- That you don't know of? Right. They're one-sided. <laughs> like, fuck that guy. There's got to be a few of those guys out. It's my karma. I, I was a fuck that guy guy. So sure. I have to assume there's- I, That's exactly what I say about the UCB. Like, yeah. we were saying fuck you to everybody, and now yeah. someone will come and say sure. fuck you to UCB. Oh, fuck, and, yeah. And fuck fuck them. Yeah. So you're doing these rogue gigs. So I, I, was, I was there at Improv Olympic- and then I went to Second City, and I met Walsh at, at Second at um, Improv Olympic. Yeah. So it was all kind of going on at the same time a little bit. Sure. So, but did you meet Del Close? I did. Yeah. Uh, How was my, that? It was well. The first time I, I, I it was kind of ugly because he was yelling at Matt Walsh, and Matt Walsh has always been a sweet, great guy. And was he at Second City, or was it a separate thing, Del Close? He and it was a separate thing. Right. Eventually, they became friends. Second City be- became friends with uh, Improv Olympic, and then they would they would uh, take talent from there. So Del Close easier. was Improv Olympic. Yeah, Improv Olympic. He, he and uh, Sharna Helper started it, and he and he trained a lot of the guys Besser and, and McKay and all those guys. And so I, I didn't. I was at Second City while they were doing. But he's like the wizard. He is like a magical wizard of improv. Yeah, I, I don't really subscribe to that. Yeah, as much, but. Very respected. Well Very regarded. Respected. Well regarded. Yes. <laughs> Didn't make them all laugh. Mm-hmm. It made some very important people laugh. But yeah, but people love that guy. What was uh, so special about how he approached it? Did it resonate with you when you met him? It was ugly because he was yelling at you Matt know, Walsh. What was he yelling at Matt Walsh? Because he hadn't paid for classes yet. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, bring a check next time you come here. It was. <laughs> I thought you were going to lay down some improv genius. Oh, no, no, no. It's all about. So do you go like you, hey, next time? You better bring a check. Yeah, and scene. It's a scene. Get out. <laughs> I'm saying no. I know it's against everything I believe in, but no, you cannot improv today. And then later, I have to show the. Uh, the there's another side to Dell. Uh-huh. Later in a bar, um. I, I, I uttered this phrase mm-hmm. or this, this sentence. I wish I had $5 so I can buy beer. And he heard me and he said, Are you going to buy beer with it? I'm like, Yeah. And he goes, Okay. And he bought me a pitcher of beer. And later it was a very sweet romantic thing as he looked at the screen and it was Farley and Tim Meadows. And he uh-huh. goes, You know, I taught those two. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> God, he was a genius. He was. Yeah. He was. Well, actually, you know, he did. He, he kind of. Um, he kind of forced Second City's hand and put Farley and Tim Meadows in the cast, uh, where usually they would take from within. He's like, if you want me to direct, i got to take these guys. Oh, so he went to Second City and actually directed there. I should yes. know more about that. Yeah. And Farley and, and Meadows were his picks. Yes. Oh, and wow. They were Improv Olympic guys that were taken from Improv Olympic and put directly on a stage, so they didn't have to tour. But what, And he invented the Herald, right? Yeah, he invented the Herald. That that Herald, what it does is just it forces you to kind of write in your brain a little better. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like it uses conventions that, that, that writers would use, mm-hmm. and they're kind of built in. And so uh, it, that's why I think improvisers are, are, are good writers on the, on the fly. Oh, right, right. And sometimes when you improvise, you can build sketches out. Yes. Yeah. And you kind of feel like now it's kind of built in how they're made. And so, you know, that's we're, that's kind of what he was really good at. So, what was what happened next for you at Second City? So you get into the small stage after doing the road for three years. Now you're on the small stage. I'm on the small stage, but 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 you know you only work four days on the small stage, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was great. Mm-hmm. And I also I got to improvise at, after each show. There was an improv set, so that's kind of where I learned to, to get good at improv. Uh huh. 
before that, I was pretty decent at sketch. And so that that's where it happened for me. And uh, I was lucky, you know, timing. Uh, Tina Fey was married to Jeff Richmond, who mm-hmm. was my musical director at Second City. So I w- worked with him and wrote songs with him. So Tina was very aware of me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were times when I wanted to quit and I talked to her and she's like, don't quit because there's nowhere I can send people to see you, you know. Right. And so I stayed. So you got it got pretty dark, huh? Yeah, it got dark there, kind of just staying there, not moving up. I didn't feel like uh, that the the boss there really was at Second City. Yeah, you weren't you weren't standing out. I was I was standing out in the back, hmm. but not standing up in the front. Standing out for the front. And you were drinking. I was drinking a lot. And uh, were you like that guy? Like uh, after after the shows, like let's go get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I pretend I, I was probably less <laughs> bro bro about it. Yeah, but definitely the same results. You're more like uh, let's go get drunk. Yeah, let's go talk about the show. Yeah. Why are we so sad? Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I make my sadness more funny? <laughs> uh, what yeah. happened? So that's that happened. I don't know. Some skin is on the mic here. From you? I hope. Maybe I should clean that thing. It's fine now. Okay. Just don't put it in your mouth. Don't. Well, I guess. Don't. People always tell you, put your mustache. <laughs> Get let, your mustache your, right on it. Right. <laughs> Do they Get really? Your mustache right on it. Do they tell you? It. Yeah. I wish I could tell people that. I can't tell you how many people do not know how to use a fucking mic. It's so like, get up you. on it. I hear you. Yeah. You got to do it for my podcast, too. Yeah. I do, and you don't want to be weird because you think they should know, but they don't. You don't want to just keep pushing it in their face. So I'm sitting here riding the fucking levels just yeah. to pick up people who are right here. It's like, I can't. What am I going to do with that? And shoving anything in someone's face is is, is going to be taken as a weird little thing. Yeah. So I, you should I, you should let's let's tell everyone who does a podcast just put that get, mic yeah, in your face. Yeah. If it's a good mic, especially these Sony um, SM7s, that I'll always take a free one. Um, <laughs> uh, you got to get right up on them. They're made for that. Yeah. That's how you do it. There's a lot of room between the foam and the mic insides. Um, so you're you're drinking, you're sad, you're you're telling Tina you're going to quit, and she says, "Don't quit, Horatio. You have so much to live for." Yes, mm-hmm. and so uh, SNL comes around a few months later, and they ask me and Rachel. Rachel was on main stage. They Dratch. Asked, Rachel Dratch. They ask us both to, to audition. Oh, and so what year is that? 1998. Oh, and the great thing is, I had a few months. Like uh, before the audition, before the audition, they, to, they told me it's going to happen because they came and saw me and they're like, yes. it's happening in the summer, but we don't know when. And then later they're like, it's See, in three months. You could put some characters together. Sure. And write some stuff. Yeah. And uh, work on it. What'd you end up writing in what characters? I did, did Robert you? Stack. No. I did Robert Stack. I did a character. Because you thought Lauren would be like, oh, it's a throwback. I, I don't no, I, I really just didn't have impressions, and that was one that I had. Mm-hmm. It, it it may have looked that way, like, hey, here's a nod to you, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had you thought of that before? I thought of that when I did Truman Capote, because mm-hmm. I'm like, Truman, he'll know what Truman Capote is, and he'll know that this isn't like a modern reference at all, and he'll probably get, like it. Yeah. So I did Truman Capote. Uh, Robert Stack, Truman Capote. Meatloaf, I sang like Meatloaf. I yeah, wrote, I wrote a little song that I don't remember, but I wrote a little song for me uh, as Meatloaf. Yeah, and uh, and then so yeah, I I ended up getting the the gig. So wait, whoa, whoa. so where did where did you audition? Uh, in in Thirty Rock on on home base for him. For he's there with uh with Adam McKay, who's the head writer at who's the, the time? head writer at the time, yeah. and Tina, who's up yeah. there. And uh, I think maybe maybe Shoemaker yeah. or, and Higgins, 
and they're at a table and you and you do the thing and uh you know there's a camera without a cameraman on it and it has a light on it and they're yeah. like that's beamed to new york city and it's beamed to chicago beamed to los angeles and executives are watching this <laughs> so uh, really yeah yeah and uh and you hear this all the time. The guy says they're not going to laugh, so don't let that throw you. And then yeah. when they do, you're like, oh, wow. I got I'm it. I'm the one that did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that broke them. <laughs> so then you're just flying high after that. Did you get laughed? Yeah, I did. Okay. I got some good laughs. And I remember I remember thinking afterwards, like, well, fuck it. You know? I mean, I was drinking and, and just was madly drunk that night after the audition. But I, I, I felt really good because I always wanted to to make sure that that audition, I didn't blow it. You know, right. I, other auditions I've blown and so many I can't even talk about, but but that one I was like, well, I want to give it my best shot so I can say one day, hey, I gave it my best shot. I yeah. wasn't fucking drinking and fucking around when I- Right. So I, I checked into New York a couple days early. You know, they were going to have me come the day before the audition. I was like, no, 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 New York's too crazy. Bring me out, you know, three days before. Yeah. And then I I, I put myself up at a hotel. So already there, oh, you put yourself up. They weren't like, ah, this guy's demanding. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. I put, yeah, I knew that. I knew not to do that. <laughs> so I put myself up. Uh, and then I, I just, I was basically like Martin Sheen and, uh, you know, in the hotel in Saigon. You know, I just, I just locked up in there <laughs> and kind of just put my work on the wall and, and my scenes and I got it all. You Doing know, weird Tai Chi and drinking yeah, and breaking absolutely. mirrors, getting bloody. There was about three days of that. And then yeah. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Wow. So, and you nailed it. And I think I nailed it. Yeah. yeah. And when did you find out you were on? Did you have to go to a meeting with Lauren? Well, about the, the funny things about Lauren, you know, you interviewed him. Uh, he calls me into his office, and, and I have to wait like an hour and a half to, to talk to him. And yeah. uh, we come in, and we start talking about baseball. He's like talking about the Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> he knows I like the Cubs, so he's talking yeah. about the Cubs. And he goes, you know, Bill Murray's son is named Homer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... uh and so that was the first so we're line. Having, yeah, so we're having this talk about yeah, Bill Murray's son is named Homer after uh, Ernie Banks, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, then he says, uh, "We don't think we want to use you for this season." And so I'm like, oh, "Okay, all right." I'm like, uh, "Well, I live with my parents at the time," and I said, uh, "Well, can I tell my parents I have to move to New York?" And he says, "Yes, tell them you have to move to New York, but don't tell them you'll be on the show." <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't know yet. You know, like, oh, shit. So I couldn't even sell it. I didn't even know what yeah. that was yet. I couldn't say, like, yeah, yeah shake yeah. his hand. Yeah. I kind of just left with, like, okay. <laughs> All right. I think that's good. <laughs> so they wanted you as a writer? No. So uh, so they we say goodbye. Very in the pleasant. bullpen? And then the next day I meet with Higgins and uh, and, and other writers that, that hung out with Higgins there. And then they were kind of making sure that I wasn't a dick. Mm -hmm. And uh, And then after that I went home. And when I got home, I got the call. And Lauren told me I got the job. Okay. So, so that's call. when I screamed. That's when I hung. Thank you very much. And you tell, what did you do? And you call your parents? I was in the, well, I was in the house with my parents. Oh. So I was screaming. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, I got it. I got the fucking show. Yeah. You know, uh, it is glorious. Were they happy? Absolutely. Well, they're a little sad because I was moving out. Right. But you were 30, so. I was 28. Oh, so they're <laughs> like, yeah, he has to go. You know? It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, SNL taking me out of my yeah. My womb. I had a good gig here. <laughs> yeah. Mom was cooking. And who knows? You know, maybe I would have become a guru myself. You know? <laughs> yeah, you could have been well yeah. regarded. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I had to go out and get popular yeah. and be yeah. on SNL. Yeah. So you were there for- I was there for eight years. It was eight? Eight years, yeah. That's a long run. It was a very long, fun run. 
You did um, a lot of shows, and who was on the cast when you got there? Um, well, I, I worked a lot with uh, with Farrell and Catan and and uh, Sherry, and and you were kind of sweaty, guys. and your hair was you had no beard. I had no beard. I was about eighty pounds heavier. Right. Yeah, and uh, my hair was always kind of sweaty. But did you work right away? Guy. Um, kind of. Yeah. Well, the great thing is that Smigel wrote a bit for me my first show where it yeah. was where it was. Uh, the best of Horatio Sands. So they shot this thing that was that was comprised of of uh, rehearsal footage from the from the eight o'clock show. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so th- that was supposed to air my first show, <laughs> right? Which which ended up airing the second show for time. Mm-hmm. But that kind of helped because my name was out. Now my name's being said, and now right. they're you know they're making fun that this guy's so new that they're making that tape, right? Right. And uh, so yeah, I did Ozzy, and that kind of was a big one. I did the Meatloaf, and that kind of got a big response. So I, I kind of snuck in with my musical impressions, and and then I started working with Jimmy, and and people liked us together. And right, and uh, well, we thought well, we didn't really plan on breaking, but we kind of made a thing of you were always trying to fuck with up. each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was sort of established, right, by Farrell, and you know. And- and like he broke a lot and jimmy always broke right right and jimmy i mean jimmy's like uh you know he's such a fan of sandler that you know he he auditioned that sandler too he did sandler oh, really for, for, <laughs> and so you know that was him and him and farley's shtick so i think that's kind of it rubbed off on us and i and i was always i was like yeah more of that more of the, the silliness because it's like, contagious because i could feel in that room it's not necessarily the warmest room uh the studio like yeah. it, it can get quiet in there. Like I can see how like being in a, you know so, when there's an electricity to it, it must just get like amazing. Because like when I was there, I was like, this isn't an easy gig. I mean, it's it's intimate, it, more intimate than I thought, and you know the audience is right there, but and, and everything's moving in real time, but things can fall flat. Yeah, they often do. Yeah, and, and you can feel it. I felt it as an audience guy and just as a guy who's on stage all his life. Yeah, and so what uh, you know, yeah, you have to that that crowd isn't a regular slice of America right, crowd, right? Right, right. You know, it's executives and friends, and, yeah, and entertainers, yeah. and so that's it's not a, it's not the warmest crowd. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine if you're having fun, then it just kind of rubs off. Yeah, and now now that I think of it, I have to say, I, you know, we had Will Ferrell probably opening up every show, mm-hmm. and so we probably had a great Will Ferrell sketch or Catan and right. doing something huge. So the audience by by the time we got on, the audience were already kind of laughing. And so, did, were you buddies with Will and everybody? Yeah, everybody. I didn't like Catan, his comedy, so much when I was with him. Yeah, but I always did like him. Yeah, and, and continue to like him. And, and yeah, I saw him recently on a plane. He he wasn't funny. He said hi though. <laughs> you, well, he should, well, if you guys would have talked to him, no, I'm probably. sure he would have been funny. He's uh, you know he's he's naturally funny fella. Yeah. So, how bad was the booze during the time? I mean, I was pretty functioning. Yeah. Um, apart for the the booze got pretty bad after the show. Now, what happened? So you're on eight years. That's a long run. Did you? How did it end? Um, during that my final year, that eighth year, I uh, I'd sat in for for Tina on update for a couple weeks, and so there were there was a audition to see who would be with with Amy Poehler on update. Yeah. So I, I talked to Lauren. I said, "Well, I'll, uh, after I audition for this, hopefully I'll get it. But if I don't, you know, I'll uh, I'll probably leave this year." <clears throat> and he said, "Oh, we don't we don't like talking about that." 
about stars leaving. We don't we don't like talking about that. Uh-huh. So, I, so I took that as okay. The, I guess I'll, I'll I'll stick around. And since <laughs> and since it wasn't something that anybody cold came up to you and say, hey, it's done. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of hang out for a while. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. Like, am I done here? And so what? Well, you just start getting written out, or? Well, this is before the show started. Right. Oh, okay. But. But but so what happened is someone released something to the press saying that I was let go, and so I called up um, I called up Shoemaker and asked him like, uh, did this happen? And he's like, no, no, man, I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> oh no, show business. So then I'm the interviewed. Worst. So then I'm interviewed by some radio station. They're like, well, what's up, man? Are you fired? And I'm like, well, I don't know, man. I think it's some executive just talking some shit or something. Yeah. In which that wasn't the case. It was an executive probably who just wanted me out. But at that time, after eight years, you make a lot of money at SNL. Yeah, and it really doesn't make sense to keep guys around that long. Right. Where for my what I was making, you can hire three new people. Right. So, you know, I knew that the, for eight years is a very long time. It's up there in years for, yeah. for a lot of people. So I knew it was time to go, and it was okay. But just the way it happened was a little disappointing, so what, to say the what, least. So how did you track it? What what, <laughs> what happened? So eventually, uh, my managers called up Lauren, and Lauren's like, yeah, you know, we uh, – it's the money thing or something, and, uh-huh. and uh, you know, and I think he, I think he may have tried to hold, you know, to keep me, but in the end, at the end, he's just like, well, you know, eight years, and well, I th- when I talked to him, he seemed to feel that, like, it seems to me that he likes knowing if someone's going to go either by his choice or someone above him's choice, he feels better if he thinks you're okay. Yes, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, he'll do fine. You know, he, yeah, people know him; he'll work. And if you think about it, I mean, he has the responsibility of a lot of people. Yeah. You know, uh, sure. Not just those people that work for him, but, uh, you know, the expectations of what that show should be. Right. Even even now, people are asking me, what about Trump? You know, what's Lauren going to do about Trump? And now, so now Lauren has to figure that out. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what, how did you leave feeling about him? I just felt like it, I, I, would, I really would have liked, uh, thank you for letting you go. I really would have liked that. <laughs> have you called him? <laughs> oh, I have. I have talked to him since. Oh, you have. It's good. Yeah, now I'm working with his company, Broadway Video. So um, did you get I'm your back in contact? Did you get your closure? Did you like? Did I'm you still, say I'm still do, dealing with my closure? Yeah. But did you say to him, I would have liked? Uh, well, you know, I I kind of threw some some I, I shot some arrows his way, oh, trying to did. get his attention. Like I, what? Like I said. Jim Downey was the Carl Rove of SNL, and that they were they were too far on the right all those years uh-huh. when we could have really been hitting the Bush administration that mm-hmm. they kind of dropped the ball on it. Yeah, and that Will inadvertently was such a cool, fun guy that he probably swayed the election. Uh, and so I was saying that the, the, the In show Bush's wasn't favor. Yeah, uh-huh. I think so. I think people, if 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 you think about the the margin of mm-hmm. that election, it's not that preposterous to think that he could sway the more people liked him because of Will's impression of him. Yeah, and uh, it, it would mean seeing Will every week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were that calculating. Maybe I don't like the guy. I mean, subconsciously, but I, I want, if you're on the fence already, yeah, I want to see more Will Ferrell doing yeah. George W. Bush. So let's elect that monster. <laughs> wow. And so I, I kind of like so when they interviewed me for this book. I, I I'm the one that always says stuff that gets printed, uh-huh. uh, and so I I recently said you know I, I don't hate the show 
I'm not just here saying shit against the show. I, I just think that a little dissension is good for the Republic sometimes. Yeah. And that I felt that the, the show wasn't, for those years, it wasn't uh, being run under the, you know, how the initial show had been run. Like, you know, with it was some like teeth. It was, with some teeth and yeah. some rebellion, with yeah. some fuck you to society. You know, it was just becoming too much like, what? Well, the people in, on this show don't feel the way you're feeling, so how come, you know, Jim Downey is able to write these sketches that no one's identifying with? And so, uh, so I really came into contact with him to tell him, like, hey, nothing personal. And he was very nice back. And Who, then, Downey uh, was or uh, Lorne? No, Lorne. Yeah. Um, I really do think Downey's a super talented dude. Yeah. I just don't like that he's a Republican. Right. And uh, and I think that his years at SNL when he was the head writer were probably the best. Uh-huh. So it's nothing against his talent. Right. I just don't you I just don't want like his You just want a little politics. more edge. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And at that time, you know, Seth Meyers was writing the edgy left stuff, uh-huh. and he was having to do battle with this guy, and usually this guy would win because of his seniority. Ah. But you never got a sense. Well, how are you with Downey? Oh, he, I think he knows that... I think he knows that I didn't like that about him. Yeah. I hope he knows that it's not personal. I mean, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you find. You yeah, know, when you're, yeah. when you're like, uh, you know, Goliath is not being affected by your slingshot. Yeah. You're sort of like, I think Goliath's okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's well, not throwing anything back at me, nothing, so that's okay. Uh, I'm going to keep He's throwing rocks. stepping on me. <laughs> but you're working for Broadway Video now, because I know you went through a time... So after the show, how how bad did the did the drinking become? Um, well, I had sleep apnea, a sleep apnea operation. I broke up with my my girlfriend at the time, yeah. and then I got fired. So I had like this, you know, perfect storm of, of horrible stuff happening. Yeah, and I just got really depressed, and um, and then I I was dating. I started dating someone, and I thought, well, if I don't stop drinking i'm gonna ruin this relationship like i have in the past what kind of drunk were you sad or angry uh both mm. both but i would be i'd be very gregarious and fun to a certain point then i would become a, an asshole i assume right morose uh, morose you. jealous uh, bitter yeah jealous yeah. was the worst all that truth coming out yeah <laughs> <laughs> too much truth yeah yeah <laughs> too much truth no one seemed to want to hear <laughs> <laughs> and um and he quit and i quit you doing the thing i quit no i didn't do the thing i i did actually do the thing when i started yeah. eventually i got a little uh i didn't feel it was doing me any good right and um, so you just kind of got grounded and stayed off it huh yeah and i i started seeing a therapist who specialized in addictions and oh, so yeah. that was really good for me too oh that's great because i remember you were over at like you, you know i i know people when you're on snl and then you know they don't see you for a while they're like well i didn't wonder what that guy How'd that yeah. go? Yeah. And, and I remember when I went over to Maker, you know, that uh, that weird internet factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you're like, uh, you know, they're trying to get me to do the podcast or do something over there. And they're like, yeah, Horatio's here running everything. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, you, I just remember seeing you in a room with a board. There's a lot of ideas. And I'm like, what's going on? You making stuff? Well, no, nah, not really. We're, it's all going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We They put me in charge of, uh, of doing all these productions. And then, uh, well, what happened there was they they were trying to sell it. Yeah. So we didn't really make a lot of stuff. <laughs> but you got I, paid. I, I got paid. Yeah, yeah, I got paid. They were nice to me. Uh-huh. And then uh and so what happened after that? You, so I've been in and out of failed pilots and movies and and some, working some though. Decent, You're getting shots. Working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always getting some shots in. Yeah. And um Well, you look good. Thank you. Thank you. And uh you too. well, thanks. So what's the thing you're doing with Broadway Video? 
So now we're doing. Uh, I, I'm I'm gathering up the comedy for a a digital platform called Mas Mejor, mm-hmm. more better, mm-hmm. and it's a playoff of Above Average, mm-hmm. Lauren's internet site, and so it's for millennial Latinos. Oh, good. And uh, so I'm gathering up a lot of Latino talent that we're that I'm finding, yeah, and putting them onto this site, yeah, and partnering up with Telemundo to do this huge, huge monster site. Wow! So you're like in competition with Al Madrigal. I am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I welcome Al Madrigal's assistance. Uh, it's, it's not an easy task getting all this funny Latino stuff out there. <laughs> Got to get Madrigal. Madrigal's Absolutely. Like, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm in contact with Madrigal. Oh, good. Yeah, he's, he the, I, he's the Don of that. He's the guy. <laughs> I mean, I hope Madrigal can get me and Fluffy together. <laughs> But me and Madrigal are cool, for sure. Fluffy just got his own show, so I don't know, man. Well, maybe he'll do a little bit, you know, a little video. I'll go to him. <laughs> go to him. Say, like, are you shorts on? <laughs> Put on the shorts. Let's do a thing up front. <laughs> you think he doesn't wear shorts? He always wears no. shorts. <laughs> just maybe at home. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is bit. He wears the oh. shorts, the long oh, shorts. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then, he, you know. Yeah, I think Fluffy will do it if you just say he can, you know, Push his merchandise. He'll be fine if they if you can get the fluffy merch out there. We can do that. Okay. Well, well, this is I guess the public call to Gabriel Iglesias and uh, then all funny Latinos out there. All funny Latinos can submit stuff to me. Yeah, Horatio needs your submissions in Spanish, in English, and or Spanish. Whatever, Any way you want to do it. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. And now Magical is giving a seal of approval. Of this you 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 don't you you're not going to alienate Magical. No, if you do some you're stuff not with Sam Magical, <laughs> <laughs> and it works both ways. Yeah, buddy. You know you can work with Magical, and I'm cool with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at that, man. This yeah. is uh, you know this is an open door, brothers, man. Oh, right Marasa. on. All right. <laughs> Hermano, is that Hermanos, it? Yeah. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. A pleasure. Thank you. That's it. That's me and Horatio. Uh, sweet guy. Good guy. Funny guy. Had a really nice time. Some of you ask questions about this part of the podcast, like why do things end abruptly sometimes? Because sometimes, most of the time, I'm not hearing the end of the podcast, so my tone might be a little different. The end of the conversation. Like, I, you know, I do this stuff after I record the interview, so I, I don't want you to feel like I'm being rude or weird or my temperament is different. It's just sometimes this part of the show is not recorded at the same time. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but I love it. The Horatio on Earwolf is uh, Horatio's um, podcast. You can go to WTFPod.com, get yourself some JustCoffee.coop or some posters or uh, leave a comment. Or I'm really hung up on this fucking volume pedal, on this uh, repeater pedal.
lives.